All right, uh, I want to talk to you guys today about fishing. So, do we got any fishermen in the room? Any, any fishermen in the room? All right, there you go. <laughs> Is your granddaddy taking you fishing yet? So, okay. So, once, okay. Come on, granddad James. All right, anyway, uh, so <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not a fisherman either, James. So, all right, so we got any other fishermen in the room? So, we got a few. All right, all right, we got a few. few all right, we got your hands going up. So, here's, uh, here's what I want to encourage you guys with uh, and, and just to let you know. So, I'm not a fisherman. Uh, I, uh, you know, it, I'm no Bill Dance, so matter of fact, I'm not even Barbara Dance. So anyway, so, uh, so I don't know. Anyway, I got hit in the head. All right, so anyway, uh, I, I want you guys to, uh, so what I did is I, I went on social media, and I asked you guys, tell me, um, you know, your fishing stories. So here's the fishing stories that you guys told me, uh, and there's some doozies in here. So listen to this. Uh, one of the most interesting comments that I got, uh, started off with, is uh, one of our ladies in our church uh, says that when her husband takes her fishing, he puts and ties um, a raft or whatever, a tube uh, behind the boat. She sits in the tube and he drags her down the river while he's fishing, oftentimes catching fish uh, at her feet hanging off the tube. So uh, that was interesting. Uh, I, that was uh, fascinating. So you might be a redneck if. All right. Uh, and then uh, we're in Mississippi. Amen. And then another one of the ladies in our church, uh, she uh, loves to fish. And she said, but she was out there with her brother one time and she went to sleep on the bank by the pond, and while her brother was fishing, he threw the, uh, the, the rod and reel up, the lure came up on the uh, ground, hit her in the tooth while she was asleep, and chipped her tooth while she was passed out, and after that, a fight ensued. Uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, that, that was another one, um, and then there were several of you that talked about the fact that you had your uh, body pierced by hooks and fishing experience. Uh, one of my favorites is, is you got your ear pierced. Uh, I don't know how, but the hook hit you in the ear, so that was appropriate, I guess. Anyway, uh, different stories like that. One of my favorites was, though, is, uh, and, and guys, just go ahead and get ready to listen on this one. So uh, one of my favorite ones is a couple was out fishing and, uh, in our church, and they were in a pond, in a farm pond fishing. And the um, wife sees a calf, a cow, or sees a calf go into the water. And apparently she's never been on a farm, and that's where, and she thought, I don't know, the calf was committing suicide or what, but she sees the calf go into the pond, and it's out in the water, and so she jumps out of the boat to go help the calf that she thinks, I don't know, like I said, is killing itself, and um, it was getting a drink of water. But anyway, and so, but being a woman, she dives into the water, she's swimming to try to help the calf, and the mother cow sees this person bothering her baby calf. She does. For those of you that aren't farmers, they don't like that. And the mother cow comes piling into the water, scares the woman. She starts swimming back to get into the boat. And you know, and you know, and don't you dare wig out on me. Every man in this room is fixing to go. You know what that man was thinking. And if he had any intelligence, he didn't say it, but he was thinking the whole time, I've told you and told you to stay out of other people's business. Uh, and so, you know, every man was thinking that about <laughs> he wanted to tell his wife that word but anyway uh so that was my but you cannot have a good story and without the Tudor family 
And so uh, if you don't know anything about the, the Tudor family, they're just special. And uh, Miss Angie uh, had one of my favorites. And so those of you that uh, you're just going to have to let me read this. For those of you that know Miss Angie, I'm going to do my best Miss Angie storytelling the way she put it in social media and uh, she she cuts to the chase like I don't do she's not near as wordy as me a little slower in her talk uh, but anyway so we're going to share with you this was Angie's story and I'm just going to read it because it's priceless as it is Angie says we got a boat the first time we put the boat in the water it starts to sink People were yelling, Kevin! That's her husband. Put the plug in the boat. And she ends it. Next line. The second time we took the boat out, Kevin got the boat stuck on a sandbar. Took us hours to get it off. And it ends. The third time we got the boat out, we sold it. <laughs> End of the story. So uh, you realize if she preached my sermons, we would be about done now. Uh, I mean, that's just priceless and, and said it well. Good job, Miss Angie. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so our text is, is uh, going to be about a fishing story this morning. Now, not the kind of fishing stories that, that your uh, husbands tell or your wives tell maybe, but you know, you, you've heard this. Your husband come in. And they've been out fishing, and they've got a whopper. You know, that they just caught the biggest fish that you've ever seen. And as they tell the story, y'all with me, ladies, the, story, the fish gets bigger. Now, women, isn't it interesting that your husband, that story that they tell about that giant whale, you know, that they caught, isn't it interesting that they never have any pictures? It's always the one that got away, and, you know, there's never one that they can actually show you, so you all ladies relate to that. But anyway, uh, with that said, the story we're going to tell you today is actually true. It is real story about fishing. So turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5 this morning. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 5 this morning, and we're going to share with you this message that God has for us. And... Uh, at times, and, and I want to read this quote to you this morning. At times, the Lord takes special delight in surprising us. And this is what my message is about today. This is why you need to stay tuned in. This is why you need to listen this morning. At special times, the Lord delights in surprising us. You hear me? Just when we're ready to throw our hands into the air and give up hope, when we have come to the end of our resources, exhausted our energy, Run, run out of ideas and lost our creativity. When quitting seems like the only remaining option, the Lord pulls off a miracle. Isn't that true in your life and mine? He loves to show up at those most critical hours, at those most difficult seasons. The Lord loves to pull off a miracle. And I want to talk to you guys about that miracle happening, not only in our story today, but in your life and mine as well. And in this story this morning, we're going to see that Jesus, after the miracle, is going to call these men, these fishermen, 
to be his disciples. He's going to ask them to surrender all. He's going to ask them to give up what they're doing and come and follow him. Surrender and obedience, follow him. I just came from a discipleship conference, preached five times in the last two days, and sharing with other pastors and churches about what discipleship, discipleship almost said a bad word, uh, I got hit in the head. Uh, anyway, what discipleship looks like, and, uh, and I shared with these guys about what God is doing here. And by the way, thank you guys for being obedient. Because this is a new phase in my life, in this church's life. I never dreamed it was coming. I've got to learn how to handle it better. The deacons are right. My family's right. And we're going to do better with this going forward. But the truth of the matter is, is God is launching us into being a blessing to other churches. I'll be at a conference and in, in speaking on a national level next month. Uh, and, and we're going to be sharing what God's doing. I had young men, pastors in the ministry, and, and several of the churches that were there were sharing the discouragement that they've been going through. COVID, different things. And when we got done, when I got done sharing uh, in those five sessions, these guys were hugging me, sharing with me, crying together, praying together, because they said, man, we have got hope in our churches. We can do this. God wants to grow us where we're at in our places, in our towns. And I'm telling you, God is using us to be a catalyst to grow and bless other churches around the country. Somebody say amen. And God's doing that because you guys are becoming disciples of Christ. That is the best definition I could ever explain to you about what we're doing here at Connect Church is becoming obedient and surrendering our way of thinking to do it God's way. So here's how the fishing story happens in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is preaching to the crowds on the bank of the Sea of Capernaum. The crowds are beginning to enlarge, and they're growing just like our church. The crowds push Jesus into the water, and he hollers at Peter, they're just coming in from a long night. Now get this. They've been fishing all night, Grant. Ain't caught a blooming thing, just like when you guys go fishing. They've been out there all night, haven't caught a thing. The boats are empty. Nets are empty. They're washing their nets. They're tired. They're exhausted. And Jesus says to Peter, I want you to pull up over here. And Jesus climbs up in the boat, and he begins to preach so that more crowds could come from the water. Now, I've had the wonderful privilege, Belen and I have, to be in Israel and on that sea in a fishing boat just like in that day. Now, here's the really cool part. This is, just easy, this is just easy money for you guys today about how good your God is and how big he is. Incredibly, and I've had the privilege of speaking there. When you get into that Sea of Capernaum, James, and you're on that edge of the water, the way that it was just designed is the mountains come right up to the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful, unbelievable scene. But the mountains echo off the water. And you can hear somebody talk miles and miles away because of the acoustics, the natural acoustics, acoustics of what's going on there. I got news for you, Stanley. 
That wasn't by accident that Jesus spent much of his time in his ministry in that particular place, echoing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God Almighty, the Father, Miss Marie, 8,000 years earlier, knew where his son would be. He created Capernaum. He created the Sea of Galilee. And he put his son there so that everybody could hear the gospel message, including you and I today. Somebody say amen. God's good. God's good. He has a design, and he has a plan for your life this morning. Don't you ever forget that. And Jesus, after preaching to the crowds, says to Peter, James and John is on another boat, two groups of fishermen, and he says, let's go out into the deep water, boys. Let's go out into the deep waters. And here's the story. And on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him and heard the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gisinaret, and if you just a Greek translation there, it means the exact same as the Sea of Capernaum. It's just a different way of saying it. And he saw two boats by the lake, and by the fishermen, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were asking for their, uh, washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out now, I underline this, into the deep, the deep waters, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners to the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, and so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish and they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in the other boat, who were partners with Simon and his brother Andrew. And Jesus said unto Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And that's where I want to land at this morning. Do not be afraid, Jesus said to Peter. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything, discipleship, and followed him. After teaching to the crowds and the multitude that I've just described to you, now I want you to get the picture of this scene in your mind. All right, Jonathan. I know you got a boat and you love to fish and all this, you know, and all that stuff. I want you to picture in your mind that you decide for some stupid reason one day that you're going to take the preacher fishing. And I know that's never crossed your mind or never had an urge whatsoever to go do that. And in those days, the boats looked just like what's on the screen. And they would take the nets and they would throw them into the water. Now, I want you to picture in your mind, Jesus looks at Peter. Now get this. And he says, I want to go back out. Now here's the setting and the context of our text. They had been fishing all night. And anybody worth half a sense of fisherman knows that you don't catch fish in the heat of the day. And so they had been out all night. They had not caught jack squat. The nets are empty. They ain't even got no mackerel. They ain't got no little tuna. They ain't got nothing to eat. They, haven't had, they don't have anything. And Jesus gets on the boat and says, let's go out and catch some fish. And you know what he's thinking, Jonathan. Same thing you'd be thinking. Simon Peter is saying, oh, 
my goodness. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and now the preacher. What is his vocation? For 30 years, he ain't been nothing but a carpenter. I have a John Brown handyman telling me, a professional fisherman, how to catch fish. And Peter, and in this, you can see the sarcasm in the text when you study it, is Peter goes, I know you're a rabbi, I know who you are. In other words, I know you're the preacher, and I'm only doing this because you're the preacher, and I respect you. Amen, Jonathan? And I respect you. So what we're going to do is I'm going to waste my time, and I'm exhausted, but I'm going to go back out there because the handyman is telling me we're going to go catch fish, the preacher, and he knows no idea what he's talking about. Y'all ever been there? And so they launch out. And we see that as they go to catch the fish, a miracle happens because he didn't realize that he was with Jesus, way better than this preacher. And he goes out, and could you imagine the scene that happens in our text? They're tired, they're exhausted, and this is important, ladies and gentlemen. They're tired and they're exhausted, but they obey Jesus. There's a great lesson and remembering that you still do it his way discipleship discipleship you follow him when you don't feel like it and when they did at that most critical hour at that most exhausted hour at that hour miss angela they didn't think there was any hope there's a waste of time i'm tired of listening to the preacher he doesn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't know my life. He doesn't know my circumstances. He doesn't know what I'm going through. But they did it anyway. And what happened? Their boats began to tip. And the Bible says, with an emphasis that you wouldn't understand in the translation, it says, astonished. I'm telling you, it is off the charts. They were blown away by the boats. They had never caught that much fish before, Michael. The boats were about to sink because of how much fish. You know that James and John on the other boat screaming, are you seeing what I'm seeing? We can't believe this. And when that moment happened, I got goosebumps right now again thinking about it. At that very moment, Peter fell on his face in that boat, and he cries out to Jesus, I am a sinful man. You are the Son of God. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the best place that God wants you. Dr. Daryl Bach, a New Testament commentator, great uh, uh, scholar on the book of Luke, here's what he says about this part of the text. Jesus shows him that this sense of being less than God and less than holy is precisely what God can work with. I want you to write that down. You guys need to take a picture of that. What, what Dr. Bach is making the case for is that the best place you can ever be in your life, Terry, is when you come to the place that you realize you're not holy, you are not good, and the only hope that Terry has is for Jesus to save him. It is that place, it is that context, that it, and when we get to that place, that's where God can begin to use us. Let me illustrate to you this way. Anybody in here ever been in jail? Anybody in here ever been in jail? Y'all put your hands down. I was saying that rhetorical. Good night. Don't you know 
You're in a self-righteous Baptist church. We're not supposed to let anybody know we've had that kind of past. I'll just let you know, we don't really care here. I don't care where you came from. I don't care how many times y'all been in jail. I know some of y'all's stories. All I care about is where you're going. All I care about and all we care about at Connect Church is where you're going. So you can go ahead and lift up your hand. Uh, We already know. All right, so here's the thing. Uh, Get them, Jason and Daniel. All right, here's the thing. By the way, your guys were amazing last night. So, uh, by the way, um, I know they've been catching, you know what, in our nation the last couple years. Can I speak to the other side of this? The first responders... And I mean, I know I've lived here 20 years. I don't know who a lot of the people were that were at the wreck last night, and there were boatloads of people. But I can't tell you how much it helped when I'm pinned in a car to hear people going, that's Brother Terry, that's Brother Terry, that's Brother Terry. They knew who I was. And there was just something about folks knowing your name and being able to take care of you. Would you just give our police and our first responders a round of applause. Man, I thank you for them. <laughs> um, thank you, Mark. Appreciate you guys, man. And um, <laughs> we need you. So, um, speaking of jail, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, you really need it when you go there. So, let's say you guys mythically go to jail and you guys get arrested. And uh, they give you the bond and they tell you how much it's going to cost and I just want you to know this, this morning that, you know, uh, I scrape up everything I get, and you, they send you word, Brother Terry's paid your bond. Uh, hopefully it was like under $200 or less. But anyway, uh, we've, uh, uh, Brother Terry's paid your bond, and, and they carry you a document into the jail that says your bond has been paid. You are free to get out of jail. Now, you're going, wow, man, that preacher's awesome. You know, he's amazing. He's the greatest thing ever. Uh, said no one. Uh, anyway, and so all of those things, you know, you're happy, you're pumped, you're excited that you get this freedom to get out of jail. But hang on. You can't get out of jail with a piece of paper. There's a problem, Gary. To get out of jail, you need what? A key. You can't get out of jail with a piece of paper. It may legally authorize your freedom, but somebody has to put a key, Abram, into the door and unlock the door for you to go free. Now listen to me this morning. A lot of us come to church, or we listen online, and what we really want and what we believe and what we've been taught from mama and granddaddy through the years is that Jesus paid it all. And we're going to get there at the end of this message. You just hang on. But you need to know something first. Many of us believe in salvation. Y'all advertise it all over the place on Facebook. But you all are living like you're in spiritual jail. You believe on one end of the spectrum and you come to church, or you grew up in a Baptist church, and man, I'm telling you, I believe once saved, always saved. And, and, and back in those days, you used to run down the aisle to a Baptist church, and you got joined the roll, and, and you got your name on the roll, and, and what was it? Man, give me a ticket to heaven. And then you never darkened the door of a church. You never obeyed Christ. You continued to live the same way. I got news for you. That ain't going to cut it. You may, have a, you may think you have a piece of paper. You still locked in a spiritual prison. And on the other end of the spectrum, in the Armenian crowd, 
Well, oh goodness, I just, I came forward and I gave my life to Christ. And if I go out and have a bad thought, uh, the reason Brother Terry had a, a wreck is because he had a bad thought, uh, blah, blah, blah. The stupidity of thinking that somehow if I mess up, I'm going to die and go to hell. I'm going to lose my salvation at every turn. I got news for you. That's idiocy. That's, that, well, that's idiocy. <laughs> Did I tell you I got hit in the head last night? <laughs> that's stupid right there. Made me spit my water out. All right. <laughs> I get a pass for this one, surely, please. Anyway, uh, so here's the thing. Where we're landing at in this church is somewhere in the middle. I got news for you. If you don't have any security of your salvation, that's crazy town. If you think you can just join a church and you're going to get your ticket to heaven, that's crazy town. Ain't neither one of you all disciples. To get out of jail spiritually. You need more than just knowing that Jesus paid it all. You have to obey and follow him. This is what separates your frustration. Man, I need to come off of this chair and get in your face right now. And y'all know if I could, I would. The truth of the matter is, I'm sick and tired of y'all getting beat up by the devil. You keep staying locked up in your frustration. You, you, you listening to me this morning? Your little ticket to heaven, just because you come to church or because you join the church, does not free you up. You have to surrender and become obedient to be a disciple that follows Jesus. Because here's what it looks like if you're not a disciple of Jesus. If all you're worried about is your ticket to heaven, then this is how you live. When you go home at night, you can't give up your addiction to porn. Because, man, you're working a sucky job. You're frustrated with your marriage. You're frustrated with the kids. And your relief is to go on your phone and to get something that will take your mind off of how miserable your locked up Christian life is. Preacher can preach about Jesus and victory. We can sing about victory and worship. You ain't enjoyed a worship service down deep, if you're honest, in years. You like the songs, sing me an old song, sing me a new song. Don't care where you get your song from. If you're not following in obedience to Jesus, it ain't doing you jack squat worth of good. And then on the other side, you women come home, you got a sucky job, you're married to him. If everybody ever had a right to have relief, you should, ladies. And so when you get drunk at night, and I'm not saying you can't drink, I'm just saying when you get drunk at night, to disguise the pain in your life and the fear in your life, well, it's getting quiet in here. Can I say that Jesus is a better way to go? Jesus is better than porn. Jesus is better than being drunk. Jesus is better than any addiction playing any video games that dull your mind away from your spending time with him. I got news for you. Would you like to be set free? Jesus is the key. Discipleship is the key that unlocks you from your spiritual prison and allows you to enjoy his victory in your life. It's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't work. Discipleship 
is the key that unlocks the door. Would you know what that looks like in your life and mine? Um, I've got my seventh, eighth year of discipleship group. And by the way, here's what you need to do. Let me give you this, and then we'll move on. Is um, you need to join, and here's how simple it is at Connect Church. This is what we just taught our members last week, new members. You need to join a Connect group on Sunday nights. I'm just telling you flat out, you need to be a part of a fellowship where you're hanging out with people who are studying the sermon on Sunday morning and you're, and you're studying it. You're going home with a group of people, about 10 to 12 other people. And because we're Baptists, you're going to eat. You're going to have fun. You're going to laugh. Uh, and you're going to talk about all the funny stories that Terry told and, and all of those kind of things on Sunday night. But what you're going to do is you're going to study the Word of God, but you're going to do more than study. This is not a class. This is not a lecture. What you're going to do is you're going to be around a group of people who's struggling to be a disciple of Christ just like you. This is what's going to happen tonight in Connect Groups. Our Connect Group leaders, 20 of them, are going to meet with about 10 to 12 people in their homes. They're going to eat. They're going to eat dessert. And then after that, they're going to discuss how does this look, what does this look like in my marriage? How do I become a better disciple of Christ in my life? How do we learn to get through this season of feels like that all hell's breaking loose with our kids? How do we get encouragement? How do we get other people to pray for us? How do we, when we lose our husband, Miss Pat, have a group of people that rally around you and love you and take you through this deep water? Because you need other Christians around you, holding you accountable, challenging you, and then... You need to be a part of a smaller group we're called a discipleship group. And this is what it looks like. Started my seventh, eighth year of discipleship. I got four guys in there this year. Two of them are really old as me. And so, uh, actually three of them. And, uh, and here's the thing. Two of them have been lifelong Sunday school teachers. And the other night... We were going, we just go through the Gospel of John. We believe the greatest book ever written was the Bible, and that's what we study. Uh, can't top it. And so we're going through the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 2. And my Sunday school teachers taught all their life. They're looking at me, and they began to weep. And I go, what in the crap is going on? We're studying John 2, and we're just saying, and we do a hear journal. So the guys come in. They've been doing this for two weeks, studying this chapter, and they come in and they begin to share how God spoke to them. They did their highlight, they did their explanation of John chapter 2, and then this is what we've not done, is they applied it. This is what you all have not, this is what we not taught you to do, and this is what we failed at, and this is why you're still locked up. And these guys that are Sunday school teachers said, Brother Terry, and they just started confessing, we've been teaching John chapter 2 for years. We've taught it upside down, sideways, and every other way. And here's what we did. We got into an intellectual discussion in a classroom with a group of people, and we taught them about how Jesus went to a wedding, his very first miracle, and how he turned water into wine. And then we had a debate and a discussion in our class about whether it was actually, because it's a free will Baptist church, whether it was uh, really wine or whether it was Welch's grape juice. And my explanation to you this morning and my guy's explanation that night, who flippin' cares? The Bible says he turned the water into wine. He turned the dadgum water into wine. That's southern, for it was what it was. 
And why in the world are we caring and worrying about it anyway? These guys are weeping, Porkchop, and they're sharing with me. I don't care what he did with the wine. The fact is, this is what I learned about applying it to my life. Both guys shared. We've been through a terrible week. We had been struggling in our walk with the Lord and with our families. And what we realized was in John chapter 2, who cares whether it was Welch's grape juice or wine? What happened was is Jesus Christ loved his mama enough that when she was embarrassed and ran out of wine, that Jesus took care of it. And if Jesus cares about his mama at a wedding, that she doesn't get embarrassed, how much more does he care for me and what's happening in my daily life? Isn't that money? He cares about when you lose a son, Shelley. He cares about when you girls have a bad day at work. He cares about what you face every day. He cares about the decisions that you guys have to make every day at high school. He cares about walking through those halls with you guys. He cares about you. And if he will do a miracle for his mama, how much more would he help you with the small things in your life? Folks, that's discipleship. So let me ask you this morning as we wrap all of this up, what are you fishing for? What gives meaning and purpose into your life? And I'm going to leave you with two simple thoughts today. Number one, number one, is we are called to the deeper water. We are called to the deep water. The call to live your life on mission and discover the purpose like Peter did is found in our text this morning. You're called to the deep water. The calling's going to be different for you than for me, but you're called. And Jesus said unto Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. The important element here is that Jesus brought priority to Simon's life. He gave up his boat, he gave up what he was doing, and he took on this call in his life. Now listen to me very quickly this morning because i got to wrap all this up. I need to go home. And so here's the thing you need to know today. God is calling you into deep water. That call for you, Mark, is going to look different from me. My call is to be a preacher of the gospel. Your call, your call, your call is for you to be a representative of Jesus Christ at your school, at your work, and your home and retirement in your neighborhood. God wants you looking around, and he wants you to see how he can use you. He wants you to become fisher fishermen of men. He wants you to begin to share your faith at school, at work, at home. Do you realize so, so many of you are locked up in your spiritual life? You are in spiritual jail. You're not enjoying what God is doing in this church because all you're consumed with is you being happy. Your problems. God is calling you above your situation and to live your life on mission. I'm telling you, the greatest thing that will ever happen in your life is when you begin to talk to people about Jesus. He has a purpose in your life. He's calling you guys to join a connect group. He's calling you guys to start leading a discipleship group. You all have been struggling. How about you decide this afternoon? I know Brother Terry's been hounding me this. He's been kicking my backside about this. You know what? Enough's enough. God is saying, I have failed to do a discipleship group. I started. I sucked at it. I didn't do well at it. Well, tell you what, Nancy. Peter fished all night. You listening to me? He didn't catch nothing. 
but he got back in the boat when Jesus told him to get back in the boat and the miracles of changed lives began to happen. The miracles y'all been looking for, the joy of your salvation that you're missing out on is you need to get back hanging out with three or four people and allow the word of God to transform them and you at the same time. It's that simple. Quit making excuses. The reason you're frustrated is you're not going out into the deeper water. And here's what Jesus is saying. He does not need people who will direct him. Enough of your all excuses, but people who will serve him. He is more than capable of directing our lives. Amen. And now number two is the things to remember when you're in the deep water. The things to remember when you're in the deep water. Jesus calls Peter and he sees the miracle. And by the way, this is so cool. And this is why we teach and preach the style we do here. Jesus, I, I failed to mention this earlier. <clears throat> do you know what I believe, Kevin, that Jesus preached on that boat that day? Bible scholars debate this, and those of us that are right, I believe was preaching on discipleship in that boat that day. I believe he taught the lesson on what it means to follow me. He then showed them with an object lesson of catching the fish, and then when Peter saw it, what happens next? But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And they were astonished. And what happened next? Guys, he's calling you to a deeper water today. We've been showing you what it looks like in our church. It's time you dive in to discipleship. Surrender your life. Join a connect group. Become a part of a leader in D groups. Get back to doing D groups. Quit making excuses. That's what you're missing. What Peter learned that day with me, you can do all things without me. Everything you touch will come to nothing. God is just looking for a group of people. He's looking for a group of people who are just willing to follow him and do what he says and watch us become fishers of men. So what does it look like? Dr. Charles Swindoll gives us five practical takeaways. They're not my ideas, they're his. And I'm gonna give them to you. So Gracie, get ready to write fast, girl. And here's what Dr. Charles Swindoll says you need to remember when you're in the deep water. Jesus chose not to minister to others all alone. Have you ever thought about this? You realize who Jesus is. You with me this morning? Don't leave me. You realize who Jesus is. Y'all with me this morning? You realize who Jesus is? You realize that Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to save the world. Amen? He could have called... 50,000 angels to save the world, but he didn't. Have you ever thought about this? He didn't. Who did he call? He called you. He called me. You see, what y'all are missing out. You're in that spiritual 
jail. Uh, you, you got your ticket to heaven, but, but man, you're not enjoying the Christian life the way that God wants you to do because you've missed out on this whole thing. God wants to use you to reach people for him. He could use the angels, but he loves you more than he loves the angels. God could do it his own self, but he loves you so much. He wants to bless you and your life and your kids and your family by, being, by doing discipleship. He wants to do miracles in your life. He's waiting on you to obey and follow him. He could have done it all alone, but he wants to use you. Jesus once uses a familiar to do the incredible. Now, this is cool. So you boys, Baylor and Ian, what's the other one? <laughs> Sorry, well, you guys look alike. Anyway, uh, so uh, you guys, you girls, uh, I'll pick on them. Um, you guys like to play ball. Do you know that Jesus is not asking you to give up ball? Do you know that probably the greatest thing that God did in helping grow our church was not my preaching? The reason that I believe our church has seen the monumental move that we've had, watching our tennis double, everything else that's happening, is because God moved us to Morville. And we had three boys that went through that school, and I coached basketball. That became a source of contact for, contact for countless families. And here's the cool thing. God knows I love basketball. I wanted to be a high school basketball coach. God used stuff on my turf, what I'm familiar with, what I'm comfortable with. And he, you, you all, you all got to keep thinking, well, my life, I've got this, I've got that. I don't, I, I'm not a preacher. God never called you to be me. Aren't you thankful for that? God made you like he made you. He wants to use you on your turf. If you like to paint, then you use it for the glory of God and you tell other painters about Jesus. If you love to clean houses, you clean houses like crazy and you tell other people about Jesus. I don't care what talent God gave you, you use them and you use it on your turf. He loves to do the familiar. He uses the familiar in your life and mine to do the incredible. Jesus moves us from safety of what can be seen to help us trust him through the risk of the unseen. Folks, you're never going to get to Jesus. You hear me this morning? Man, I'm tired and I'm hurting, so I'm telling you and I'm begging you to listen to me. You're never going to get out of the spiritual jail you're in until you step out by faith. You don't catch fish in shallow water. You got to go to the deep water to enjoy the miracles of Jesus. I don't know how to say it any better and clearer than that. Jesus sometimes rewards faithfulness by breaking our nets and filling our boats. And that's exactly what God is doing in this church. And that's what he's doing in a lot of y'all's lives. Megan, isn't it good to be in the house of God? Took her out to eat a couple of weeks ago. His young lady, Amory, is that right? So, uh, yeah, well, Scooter, Scuba before, but anyway. And so, come up. I don't even know people lived in Scuba. Ain't many of them. But Megan's from Scuba, and God loves Scuba, and God loves Megan, and he brought her to this church to bless her, and he's using her and raising her up, and I can't wait to see what he does in her life. He wants to do the same thing in your life. Let him fill your nets. Let him fill your boats, guys. Jesus doesn't reveal his purpose for our lives until we follow him by faith. Guys, look at me this morning. You don't get into deep waters unless you have faith and step out by faith to do what Jesus is asking you to do. 
Y'all ever go to movies? Well, I was raised free will Baptist, so I didn't go till I was 30 because Jesus won't go in and get you if he comes back. <laughs> that was so stupid. And, um, but I finally did. Went and saw Prince of Egypt. It was wild. And anyway, and, and then the bug's life, and I was living on the edge. And anyway, but uh, when I first went to see movies, I was blown away, first of all, that Jesus, you know, would come in and get me. But anyway, uh, but I was blown away by the fact that when you go to a movie theater, it was so cool. And all of that visualization that's on the screen and stuff. And then all of a sudden, on that screen, they begin to show you before the movie starts. They show you all these clips. And they show you all the movies that are out there. But they don't, tell you the, they don't show you the boring parts. What do they show you in the movie theater? They just show you the exciting moments. They, they hook you in and they show you, oh, this, this is going to be good. And then you go later on and you watch that movie, you know, maybe different. But, but man, in those previews, man, they're selling it, aren't they? You know what I'm talking about. They put in the very best in those preview clips. Now listen to me this morning. You realize that there's a big show coming. And it's the show that is above all shows. You realize, y'all read the book? Y'all read the book? You know how it ends, Miss Amy? You, know, you understand this morning. You read Re the book of Revelation? Y'all know how it ends? It ends with Jesus winning. Have you heard the story? <laughs> Do you know the story? Jesus is coming back. Amen. Are you with me this morning? He's coming back. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's going to be the show of all times. Amen. And God Almighty, <laughs> he's the producer of this show. God is the producer of this end time show that's coming. And the Holy Spirit is directing the show. The Holy Spirit is here right now. The Holy Spirit is speaking into hearts in this room. He's speaking into those of you that are watching online. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is directing this show, and this show is coming, and I believe it's coming soon. Are you with me this morning? But who's the star of the show? Who's the star of the show? It's Jesus. Jesus is the star of the show, and that's who we worship, and that's who it's all about. Amen, church? Are you with me this morning? It's all about Jesus. But the show hasn't happened yet. It's coming. Don't you dare doubt it. Don't you dare forget about it. It's coming. But until it comes, you and I are the preview clips. God wants you to go to your work and to your school. And he wants you to go in your neighborhood. And he wants you to show everybody how good Jesus is. He wants your friends, your neighborhood, your co-workers every day to see the very best of who Jesus is. And he can only do that as you follow him. As you become his disciple, you can show your family, your neighbors, and your friends the very best of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? The very best of who Jesus is this morning. I ask you, will you join us? Will you join us in becoming a disciple to tell the story? And by the way, I almost missed this. When you show your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends the best of who Jesus is, they're going to come up to you, Ashlyn, and they're going to ask you, how do I get a ticket to that show? How do I get a ticket to that show? And you know what you're going to tell them, don't you? Angel, you're going to tell them it's already been paid for. 
It's absolutely free. Come and follow me. Will you stand as we sing a verse of invitation? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.